on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. Yeah, well, you know, your silver fillings, also known as amalgam filling, they uh, contain mercury in them. Um, up to 50, close to 50% of it is mercury. Mercury, we know, is a uh, is a well-known neurotoxin. You know, I always use the example of, when I was in school, I remember we had the thermometer. What's the, what's the, what you got? In the Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of In The Rack Podcast. I am your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. Uh, Nick and I have another guest on the episode this week. Uh, this guest is named uh, Dr. Michael Mayer. Is it Mayer? Mayer, yeah. Oh, that's, you yes. got it. I, always, I always question myself when <laughs> yeah, I do these things. Yeah, I never really that's know. It. You know? That's it. Yeah. Um, so he is a dentist, actually. It's the first dentist we've had on the podcast, yeah. which is actually really, really cool. Uh, but he's not just your normal dentist. He's a... Um, holistic would you call it a holistic dentist holistic biologic biologic yeah, dentist kind of yeah. yeah he's part of this uh, holistic dental practice out in boston called harmony um which is actually very interesting actually nick's been on his journey to getting all the mercury removed out of his mouth over the last what like year and year and a half yeah about something a, like a, that? yeah going on going on that yeah, yeah it's been yeah. a little while so yeah. you know nick just casually asked dr mayor if he'd be like cool with coming on the podcast and he was like yeah man let's do it so um, I know he's going to go into a little bit more about his story, but this is like a subspecialty of dentistry that I'm like super interested in talking about because like we love niches, you know, so um, it's great to kind of get in the weeds with some of this stuff. And, and you know, I know Nick's going to go on his tangents about like toxicities <laughs> in the body. So um, just beware, Dr. Mayor, that he oh, likes ready. to go down these, you know, uh, rabbit he know, holes. He, knows. he, uh, yeah. he's, he's dealt with me. He was like, he was like, yeah, we should probably test your body for mercury. I was like, no, no, I just want to know. I was like, I don't really, I don't really care. I just want to. <laughs> See ya. The only yeah. thing I know is that Nick is like super particular about like where he goes for things, whether it's his meat, whether it's his eggs, his, True. you know, milk, whatever it may be. So uh, when he found this dentist, I know he was like doing some some crazy searches for this. And I'll, I'll kind of let Nick talk about that because I don't know all the acronyms and all that other stuff. But um, it's uh, it's very, very interesting. So um, I don't know. You want to share? Yeah, your story I'll, I'll there, quick. Uh, let's we'll let Dr. Mayer get in get in there. But um. So basically, number one, I think that anyone who is, if you're a provider listening, um, whatever you are, even if you're just a, um, you know, a, a strength coach, personal trainer, whatever, but doctors, PTs, chiropractors, you should all have a good, and I, I believe biological or, or holistic dentist in your network um, of referrals because it's, it's, oral health is so profoundly important. And I have learned that uh, firsthand personally. So if you don't have one in your network, um, I suggest finding one. And if you're in uh, New England, Boston, that area, Harmony is a great place to go. I've been there as a patient. We're getting to know Dr. Mayer more and more and more here. So uh, that is first and foremost. Um, I think that is a huge, huge thing. You should have um, someone that is knowledgeable about that holistic dentistry realm that um, can, can not only provide education, but can perform the, the, the appropriate treatments. Uh, but nonetheless, my story quickly, um, you know, I was uh, uh, high school, college aged when every time I went to the dentist, they were like, oh, you got another cavity. Uh, let's just fill it. And this was a um, a family friend 
who was our dentist. Um, not so friendly. That's how it always but goes. Yeah, right? yeah. It was a family <laughs> friend. So he's just like, yeah. And, and it was actually the son of the, the father who was the, actually the family friend. So the son kind of took over the practice and, and he's like, yeah, let's just do another filling. And I, you know, I was 16, 17, 18, 19. So, you know, I, I asked very minimal questions like, why is this happening? Oh, oh it's your, your dad's got soft teeth too. It's your genetics. You know, so, and then every time they would be like, just stop drinking soda. And I stopped drinking soda. <laughs> I was just like, it's still happening. I don't get it. What's going on? Um, so I got all these fillings done um, and uh, throughout high school, college. And then afterwards, when I started to get into, in the past couple of years, this um, functional medicine um, part of, of my, uh, my not only practice now, now that we're adding that at Proform, but just it, trying to better my health. Um, as a whole, I started to learn how important, um, the, the health of your, your teeth and your oral cavity is. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. I don't know how much of a role this is playing in, in my health. So I went down the rabbit hole, went and did, did the research, um, and found what's the organization? A, I, A, O, the I, I always mess up. I always mess up the acronym. Chad said he was going to mess it up too. Yeah. I got it written down. Yeah. So smart. Good. Yeah. Don't mess it. You should write it No, smart's the other acronym. Yes. You're right. Yeah. The smart acronyms. We'll let Dr. Mayer talk about smart tech. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, so I, I, I sought out um, uh, Harmony and uh, I found them and I was like, you know what, I got to get, I got to take care of this. And I met with Dr. Merrick uh, a little over a year ago, I think now, I don't even know how long ago it was, but he has done, I think, five or six of my filling replacements at this point. Um, we still have some to go. I know that sounds crazy, but uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, every time I went to the dentist for a, a span of like four or five years, I was getting a filling pretty much every time. Um, so yeah, I, I had pretty much most of my molars done. And, um, that, that was, uh, something that I was just like, you know what, let's just get, get going. We'll, we'll hack away at it over time. And uh, I'll let Dr. Mary talk about the specific process they use for that, that, um, replacing the amalgam, the mercury filling with something a little bit more consistent with your body's physiology. Uh, so that is super important because the other side of it is potentially, releasing the mercury and which can be toxic in, at certain levels in your body. And, um, yeah, so I, I just started to do that myself and I'm, I'm excited to continue along that process. So that was what, how I found Dr. Mayer, but let's let, uh, let's let Dr. Mayer tell his story a little bit, tell his side of it. We told, we told ours, so <laughs> let's, let, let's let you go now. Well, well, thanks. Thanks for having me here. And, and thank you for finding a, a space for somebody like me, uh, in your space. I think that, um, as, as we kind of learn as practitioners and, and providers, uh, for folks, um, and understanding the body is incredibly complex and we are specialists in certain areas of that. But, um, I think what's important to always, uh, keep in mind is that, um, those walls, there's no walls or barriers that exist between what you and I do. Um, everything, I believe, impacts one one another. And so whether I'm, you know, a, a chiropractor or a dentist or a physician or, you know, a nutritionist, a physical therapist, you know, we, you know, you have to, have to be kind of thinking of um, what is beyond what you've been trained as or, or your specialty and um, how is that influencing your outcomes and how do you address those things? Um, and that's, that's how, what brought me into this world. I mean, you know, you go through your education process and um, it's, it's based in very conventional uh, teachings. Um, 
And uh, especially on the East Coast, you know, I, I just feel like uh, the institutions around here are uh, well-established institutions that, you know, they have put out lots of great material over the past you know, centuries at this point or decades, however long, but um, they sometimes, I feel like they're so rooted in that, that they can't see um, any other perspectives. But, um, you know, going through your education, my, my question was always, uh, well, is this the only, is this the only way? Um, I grew up, you know, with, with a family that was living a, a, a healthier kind of uh, lifestyle and maybe slightly alternative, uh, a kind of a balance of both conventional and alternative kind of ways of life. And, um, you know, I, I went through schooling and, you know, this is great and all, but I just knew talking with folks who had already, you know, gone before me that there was a lot more out there than what they taught us in school. Um, and, um, I met my, my colleague, my partner, uh, Dr. Yuko, who I practice with now, and, um, she was just kind of getting into this holistic uh, biologic, uh, uh, dental space at that time. And uh, we discovered the organization, which you <laughs> were trying to find, the IAOMT, yes, <laughs> International Academy of Oral Medicine Toxicology. Um, and this is um, the largest group of, of dentists uh, who practice more biological holistic dentistry um, throughout the world, really. It's a, it's a global organization. And, uh, and it, you know, just the material that they provided was, uh, was really eye-opening. Um, once you, you know, some folks might read a lot of these things and say, okay, well, this seems a little weird, but what I found throughout practice is seen as believing. And I told my patients that all the time. I, I'm my biggest skeptic, you know, um, I, uh, I, I do as much research as possible. I read the literature, I put things into practice, but even then I'm not completely sold on it. You know, I, I want to see, I want to see the outcomes myself. Um, and so, um, but the IOMT has been a really good organization in providing um, at least the foundation, uh, foundational knowledge for a lot of what we do now. Um, and uh, and yeah, as you get into it, you I think the biggest thing as as providers in any sort of healthcare space is just asking questions as you as you as you kind of go along because you'll experience that one or two that patient or that client who's kind of stumping you and you're just like, what, what else is going on here? You know, or you start to see patterns with folks. I see patterns all the time. You say, okay, like what's happening here, Nick, you talked about like, you know, your past uh, dentist just saying, oh, well, genetics, you have soft teeth. You know, I hear that all the time. Um, and I think there is that component to for it, sure, for sure. but, um, that can't be the only component, yeah, you know, and exactly. I, I can go into some, some, uh, examples, uh, that's just, you know, uh, it, it boggles my mind sometimes. And I, I call myself kind of the Sherlock cause I'm, I'm trying to figure out, we, you know, we have diagnostic testing available to us that we can try to uncover these things. But, um, then, you know, th there's only so much I can do. And that's when I need to have my network of providers that I can reach out to and say, okay, I can't do this. Can you do this for me? And, and let's see if this, you know, puts us in a, a different place or puts us in the right direction. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a wild journey. Um, there's a lot of learning, uh, you know, again, in our formal education, you talk a lot about the mouth, um, and you don't really go below the neck and you don't really go above the eyes. Um, and, um, again, there are no walls. I tell patients that all patients that all the time, there are no walls in our body. Um, so to think that, um, anything that happens in your mouth just stops at the root of the yeah. tooth, you know, or the, or the jaw, I think is, yeah. um, 
uh, you know, I think it's doing you a disservice. Um, but what I found is that it's also very challenging because now you're forced into this, you know, into a bigger realm of understanding, whether it's from a neuromuscular standpoint or from a physiological or biochemical standpoint. And then all of a sudden you're getting into the, the medicine or the physics of it. And, and it can be daunting. So that's, again, why I, you know, I have, I, I, I educate myself to a certain extent, but then I know when to, you know, pass the torch on to somebody who, who does this better like you guys, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting, different way to practice, but it's very fulfilling. And, uh, the, a lot of the folks that we see, um, either they're looking to, uh, to just a better wellness outlook on their life. But then I also have a lot of folks who are dealing with some chronic diseases that conventional medicine has not been able to address. Um, and, um, you know, I feel like we're not there to, you know, be the, the end all be all the cure for everything, but we're a piece of the puzzle of this very complex, um, body. And, um, so I, it's, it's been, um, it's been a fun journey. Yeah. Say that. That's awesome. I mean, th there was a few things there that I, I, I really appreciate you saying like the whole, and, and you grew up in that way where it was kind of a balance of using conventional medicine and, and more kind of holistic health. And I think that that is where I talk, I talk about this with, with patients and people all the time. And sometimes in an argument where they're like, well, what are you saying? Like, we shouldn't have medicine. I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we're turning towards medicine probably too much, right? Can we find a better balance where we have these really nice pharmaceuticals in maybe a life-saving situation, but let's not use them in a situation where maybe it's overkill, right? And that's the, the, the reality I think we're at right now as a healthcare system is we're very scared of this gray area. And that's that, that complexity that you touched upon, like that's what it is, right? And we have to be the Sherlock and kind of dive and, and weave our ways our way through that, that gray and that, that, um, that, that complexity rather than just being like, all right, let's just look at it. Let's try to be, make it black and white. It's either this or that it's like, oh, we either do the filling or find a different, right. Find a different way. So, um, I think too many people are out there, you know, focusing on the black and white. And that's why, like you said, with the genetics, yeah, that's a piece of it. But I think those are the two, two, the two biggest scapegoats cop-outs in our healthcare system are age and genetics because the provider immediately, if they say genetics or age or both, I don't have any control over that. So I took the pressure off myself right now, right? Like there's nothing I can do. So why would we even focus on that anyway? Like until we can change those things, we're not going to focus on them. Let's focus <laughs> right. on the stuff we can control, right? Right. Um, and manage what we can manage. So I, I love that you, you touched upon, upon that kind of stuff. And the, the one thing, um, I'm not even going to use the acronym, but toxicology being the, the T, the last yeah, word. I yeah. love that because that organization is respecting this huge issue, in my opinion, in our modern world for anybody in the health space, your body's toxic load. We are exposed to so many different toxins. I did a, um, a workshop here a couple weeks back and I told those people, I said, look, there are, the, the EPA has identified over 104,000 toxins, chemicals in our environment. We've only studied 4,000 of them. Like that's insane. So we don't even know hundred, a hundred thousand of them. Like we don't even know what the effects are. Like we have no idea. And then you think about, we don't even know what the combined effects are when we start interacting with these things. So, um, respecting your body's toxic load, helping your body to flush out toxins and deal with toxins is super effective. And that was one of the main reasons that I sought out Dr. Mayer in, in helping to get, you know, replace my fillings because I didn't want a toxin sitting in my body all the time. And, you know, maybe if I eat something and some of it chips off or, you know, some, some of it, uh, gets inhaled, like, I don't want that in my, in my mouth if I can avoid it. Um, so 
you know, I think that's a, a really cool thing that the organization is saying, you know, we're going to put this toxicology word in our, in our acronym. Cause most people would look at that and be like, toxicology, that's not dentistry. Like that's for other people. That's for environmentalists or something. Right. Um, but the fact that we have this organization of, of biologic dentists recognizing that, no, this is really important. These, these toxins are affecting people day in and day out. And we're not, we're not respecting it. We're not realizing it yeah. or treating it. One of my favorite, one of my favorite things to talk about is the rain barrel effect. I don't know if you if there's a book on this, um, and it's a really great example. I think that you can use in in multiple areas of of health and healthcare and whatnot. But you know, talking, I always tell patients, I say, you know, you have a a, a rain barrel for every sort of thing that you're exposed to in this world, and like you said, there's a lot of things. And you know, that rain barrel, if it, you know, if it has, it has a spout at the bottom and if that spout is open and it's running well, your body has the ability to kind of keep yourself healthy. You know, your, your detoxing organs are doing what they do. Um, but if that spout gets clogged or that rain barrel just gets flooded all of a sudden with something and it overflows, that's when, you know, disease happens. Um, and so I don't, you know, I never uh, tell patients who come in who, who have an amalgam or mercury, mercury filling that I never say that, oh, it, you know, it has to come out, yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, for everyone, I, listen, that was me. I, I, he literally said, you know, we should probably test you first. And I said, no, 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 I don't care about that. I said, I just want them out. This is a, this is a me thing. Yeah. So, yeah, don't don't like think I went there and he was like, oh, my gosh, Nick, we got to do this today. No, he was he was very much had a had a conversation with me. And I was like, no, look, I, I've learned about this. I want these out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah no, there's everybody has a different journey. And some folks want it done quick. Some folks we do it over a long period of time. But um, I always say, you know, not everybody in this world is going to experience disease the same way. And that's why I think medicine is moving to to a more personalized space, because we understand while there are trends and we use a lot of uh, population data to to um, help guide us with our treatments and whatnot that still doesn't um, take into account that there's individual differences among amongst everybody. Um, and so, uh, again, one person's experience with uh, a disease is not going to be another person's experience. And so that's what, that's how I aim to treat folks is I don't want to have this kind of blanket uh, kind of treatment plan for everybody that walks in the door. You know, you try to, to personalize it and, and ask why and try to figure out the etiology of things before you start to execute. Um, I think one thing, you know, it, toxins is they're everywhere and you know even with what we do um at the end of the day the the dentistry that i do is still in a very conventional space right like a filling you know i I cut the tooth this you know a a very similar way to what we taught in school it's not like you know i'm not using like crystals to help the tooth here okay (laughs) you know so uh so we we try to source materials that are that are being manufactured that are the most biocompatible with our bodies but i tell patients all the time i say Nothing is going to be as good as your actual tooth structure in there. And that's why for folks like like Nick or anybody who comes in, um, I tend to be, you know, uh, ultra conservative before I, I cut that tooth. Because once you cut that tooth, it's gone. And you're going to have a lifetime of like replacement uh, and treating it um, with whatever material is available. And so really preserving what what we've been given, I think, is so is so important um, and, and understanding how to heal that. And there's a lot that we talk about and that's in the practice about that. But yeah, I like that you brought up the rainbow reflect because um, so Stephen Cabral is a, a integrative uh, doctor um, in Boston, and um, he wrote the book, The Rain Barrel Effect, and it's very, very digestible for anybody. You do not have to be a provider to understand and extrapolate things from that book. He very, he very much simplifies how you can 
address what Dr. Mayer was just talking about, um, about like your rain barrel filling up or your spout being clogged, that you can address it. He gives you practical tips that you can implement today. Uh, so I, it is a book I recommend for everybody just to, to read and, and um, you know, make some progress on their health journey because it really is a well, well-written book, just very quick read, um, you know, simple, practical tips. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Do you, do you work with Dr. Cabral at all? Like, yeah. So, uh, yes. So we, we, so he's kind of moved, uh, into a a, a new kind of phase of his practice. Uh, yeah, more virtual and, and definitely catering to a a larger kind of population of folks. But initially, uh, years ago when we first started, his office was right down the street from ours. Um, and so we had that benefit of like just, you know, sharing patients and and sharing our message with each other. So, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks like him that are in this space and they have a lot of, uh, of, of, good things to offer but i love that rain barrel example because i think it, like you said it's easy to digest for yeah, for sure for folks and, and, and it makes sense you know yeah so yeah that's fantastic yeah um and so i definitely want to get this so let's just let's do this uh first because i want to get this i want to make sure we talk about this so the the smart technique um you know i want you to describe that for the listeners <laughs> because i've told some people just about like my experience of it, like, oh yeah, no, it, what I went through and, and, and how different it was from a normal filling. And people are like, that, that sounds like a little excessive. It sounds like a lot. It sounds kind of crazy. So I, I want people to hear it from, from the specialist. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, yeah, that's just what I, I couldn't see anything. I had, my face was covered. Um, and they're like, wait, your face was covered. I was like, yeah, it was just dark. You know, I was yeah. just kind of, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, your silver fillings, also known as amalgam filling, um, they uh, contain mercury in them, um, up to 50, close to 50% of it is mercury. Um, mercury we know is a, uh, is a well-known neurotoxin. Um, you know, I always use the example of when I was in school, I remember we had the thermometers, uh, in grade school, the thermometers that had the mercury in it. <laughs> and I remember when, when one of those broke, broke yeah. Oh yeah. Same like evacuate. It was like, <laughs> yeah. evacuate, get this special yeah. kid, don't uh. get close to it. Um, and then so true. totally forgot about that. Uh, so yeah. true. And, and, and then in our profession, I mean, I wasn't around for this, but, but folks before me, we're just would this is before even gloves kind of even existed before this is in the 70s and 80s but they would just pick up this liquid mercury with their hands and mix it in their hands before they're putting it in a person's oh too gosh. wow um it, it, it's it's wild um and so this this is uh what comprises those silver fillings yeah. and what we know about it is that um that uh, while a lot of that is mixed in together, that it is not in a sol- it's not in a state where it is stable. It is always being we call it off-gassed or released mm. from those fillings. Um, there's there are mercury particles that basically uh, just are released from those fillings, and you either breathe them in or um, you know obviously if you break a piece of that filling and you, you ingest yeah, it, that's, it yeah. there's that um, exposure, but. Um, it's always happening. Even at, at the highest level of the ADA, they acknowledge that there is a degree of, of mercury release from these fillings. Um, they say that it's it's just so small that it's not going to affect you. But again, <laughs> I go back to that rain barrel effect. I'm like, well, what if that, that spout is clogged yeah, up and that rain barrel sure. slowly, sure. slowly fills up throughout your life, you know? Yeah. Um, so through the IAOMT, we uh, have been certified under SMART. SMART stands for safe mercury amalgam removal technique. Um, and there are a number of, of um, interventions that we have to take um, in order to protect our patients and to protect 
ourselves, myself and my assistant, as well as just our office in general. And so when we, you know, we purposely built out our our office because we wanted a space that um, wasn't like an old practice that we were buying into that the person there was just kind of drilling out these silver fillings and the mercury. I mean, it literally just goes into the walls and onto the floor and yeah. it, this vapor that, that is created, I'll talk about in a second, it's everywhere. So um, a number of steps that we take um, and that starts with um, it, it really simple is just doing like an activated charcoal slurry, right? When you sit down, you remember yeah. this? Yeah. Um, and we do that just to kind of line the gut um, to make sure that whatever gets past our barriers and whatnot um, your body at least has some level of protection there. And, uh, and then there are a number of steps that we take to obviously protect your mouth from having any of that. When I drill that, that it just, it vaporizes, it turns into just a whole toxic slurry in your mouth. We want to make sure that's not going down your throat. So there's rubber dam on there. Um, your face, uh, you have a cover over your face. So again, that aerosol is not landing on your skin. You have an oxygen cannula in your nose so that the air you're breathing, and really it's the air that's the most important thing when we're doing this. Because again, when you breathe something in, it goes right into your lungs and then it transfers right into your bloodstream. And it's, uh, it, it's deposited throughout your body. So the air is, is a very, very important component to this. We make sure that you're breathing in some clean oxygen, your nose is covered. We have a, we have a really high-powered, high high-speed vacuum that sits over your chest um, that, is, that is suctioning all of the aerosol up. We have ionizers that are running in the room, again, to capture any particles, keep the air as clean as possible, keep the room as clean as possible. Um, your whole body is kind of covered in a, in a, in a, a sheet that we dispose of properly. Um, so that again, it doesn't get on your clothes. You're not taking it home to your families. Um, and then myself and my assistant, we're, we're in some kind of major PPE, <laughs> yes, yes. which, uh, uh, you know, some people might think they call it the space suit, but you know, I have, uh, <laughs> I have a respirator that I wear because, um, I, I have to protect myself. You For know, sure. I, I, there's, I think in a conventional practice, there's, I'm actually at a higher risk because I'm, you know, I have patients coming to me to have these removed. Um, whereas in a conventional practice, you know, they might be removing uh, these uh, amalgam fillings, you know, a few times a week, but I'm doing it on a daily basis. So I got to protect myself. I got to protect my assistant that I'm working with. Um, so we wear these big respirators. Um, you know, I have a whole kind of gown that I wear. Um, and so, uh, you know, those, those steps all together, um, I never tell a patient that it's zero exposure as much as I'd like it to be zero exposure, but it is significantly less than what you're going to experience uh, in a conventional practice where there are no standards set. I mean, there's recommendations from the ADA that you should put a rubber dam on the tooth when they're, when they're drilling out those, those silver fillings, but it's a recommendation. It's not a requirement. And so I've had so many patients just say, they're just shocked when we do the first removal. They say, well, the, I had one done a few years ago and my whole mouth just had this metallic taste in it. And I was just like spitting all this black stuff afterwards. Um, and then you wonder, you know, uh, you know, why there, there, there could be a health decline after that. That's when that, that's when that rain barrel gets that dump of just like that specific toxin, that mercury all at once, you know? So if you're going to have them removed, uh, I always just say it's, it's better to be safe than sorry. You know what some people might say that what we do is overkill. Um, but, uh, I know what I want for my body and I know my patients know what they want for themselves. And I think, um, I wish that this specific technique, I don't think it's, it's rocket science. I don't think it's, uh, necessarily even impossible for more conventional practices to be doing this. It's just a safety measure that we're taking to protect people, you know? So, 
No, and I don't think it's overkill at all either. I mean, I it's it's it sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Like, and if you think about something like people are like, oh my gosh, I got to do a charcoal rinse before, or like charcoal rinse and swallow before, and then charcoal rinse and spit afterwards. Charcoal is really cheap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's not going to be that expensive for your right. clinic to stock up on some charcoal um, to provide it to provide to people. Um, you know, I, I know there's probably more costly things involved in that, the, the special event, things like that, but you know, it it really is worth it in my opinion because if you reduce the exposure to mercury in that moment, now when someone then goes outside where they're just naturally going to be exposed to stuff, you know, whether it's pollution from, you know, cars and, and, and vehicles, you know, things from uh, above our heads from planes and, and then things from like power plants or whatever, like all this stuff in our environment that we're being exposed to that we aren't really aware of. We kind of know what's there, but no one's really like thinking about it, right? It's all, it's all just kind of quietly affecting us. Right. We, we can better tolerate that stuff if we're not getting the, getting this big bolus of mercury. So it just makes sense um, to me, at least. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's overkill at all. I know it kind of sounds like it when you say it. But, yeah, I had that same reaction like you were describing that when I told some people about how it went down, they were like, wow, my dentist didn't do that. Like, that sounds kind of crazy. I'm like, well, I mean, it's kind of worth it, you know, in my opinion. So, especially from the provider yeah. perspective too. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to take care of yourself before Absolutely. you can take care of others. Absolutely. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of research out there that shows, that, especially in the dental world, the things that we that are aerosolized when we drill things and the things that we breathe in as providers. Even uh, they talk about the the acrylics that we we've used oh, yeah. in the past and how that gets into our lungs and uh, what what kind of health effects that has. So, from a provider perspective, whether you're listening to this and you're a, a, a dentist. Or, you know, you talk to your, your dentist when you go into them next time, you know, ask them, like, what are you doing to protect yourself, take care of yourself? Yeah. You know, um, I, I see some of these older folks that um, they have to retire early because they start to have tremors and things like that. And I, I can't help but wonder. It's like you were touching that mercury with, with right. your bare hands. I mean, Seriously. That have some sort of health impact. So. Now, are there, do, you, do you know if there are higher rates of, um, uh, like, any kind of conditions or anything like that in, in uh, people who... You know, we're, we're in dentistry for their careers because I know in some spaces like firefighters have higher rates of cancer, yeah. you know, and they're they're exposed to um, like the, the firefighter foams and things like that are, are known to be um, the quote unquote forever molecules, the PFAs or um, the uh, per polyfluorinated uh, substances. But those are um, those are known as quote unquote forever molecules that uh, that we found in, in, in the laboratory and the studies don't break down. They're just like. We don't know how long they'll, they may last forever. We have no idea, you know, so firefighters are, are known to be exposed to those at higher rates and, um, you know, so they have higher rates of certain cancers. So they think that, that that's the association there. But again, it's a rain barrel thing. It's not just that, right? Like it's a combination of factors, but, you know, so I know there's, there's definitely some, um, professions out there that are, you know, have these associations with, oh, we're exposed to these types of chemicals on a daily basis. Yeah, and we've seen. This, I mean, yeah. e, you know, the um, the EPA recognized this, um, and the ADA recognized this back in I think 2015 when um, we had when they started to mandate that every office put in these things called uh, amalgam separators into their sewage systems because before that, what would happen is that you'd have remove these amalgam fillings, they would suction it up, and it gets uh, suctioned and released into just your wastewater system, and then uh, and then the wastewater treatment centers don't have the ability to to treat that so we are finding you know so then um now 
fortunately, that's mandated that every office have these specific separators that capture it, and then you you know you send it off to be disposed of properly. But uh, yeah, because yeah. I imagine if mercury, if you, like you said, it's that unstable, the molecules that are breaking off are sometimes very very microscopic. That right. They're going to get through any kind of filtration system yeah. at the water treatment. Yeah. Because at the water treatment, like the the filtration, we we know that microplastics get through. We know that all, a lot of these chemicals are getting through that's why it's in people's tap water in their homes you know and that's a huge factor for um just health in general for everybody nowadays is is the water because we're getting all these things um you know released into the water supply and then it's going through a filtration process but that's they're all small enough all these things that we're finding are small enough to get through whereas they're they're catching the big stuff you know the sediment right. the stuff that you can actually like you know see to the naked eye right um yeah so that's yeah. that's super interesting the, the <laughs> yeah. whole uh um, that concept of them them mandating that, but then they're like, no, nah, you can still use it. Just like separate it in the water. It's like, <laughs> what? That kind of reminds me of um, there was uh, the EPA. Um, they banned so triclosan, which is uh, the the agent that makes like soap foamy, um, the antibacterial. They uh, were finding that it was um, playing a role. There was a bunch of lawsuits because. People had learned about it and like, oh my gosh, I've been using this for however many years, whatever. So now they were getting all these lawsuits uh, filed against these companies. So the EPA was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we should probably do something about triclosan. So they just banned it in hand soaps, but they let any other product use it. So like all these other, yeah. So like beauty (laughs) makeup, it was like in makeup. But like, oh yeah, no, don't wash your hands with it. But yeah, you can put it on your face. Like you may eat some of it, but like, it's fine. It's going to get in your eye. But like, if if it's not on your hands, you're good. It's like, wait, what? Why why did we just say, okay, you can ban it here, but not here. It's crazy. So that stuff happens all the time. And that's the stuff that, we never hear about, no one hears about, right? Unless you go do the research, you know? So this, these types of things that, um, these man-made, um, substances, chemicals, whatever. Um, the U.S., we we kind of do it backwards. We use it and we create it and we use it and we say it's safe until proven otherwise. Whereas a lot of other countries, when a chemical is created in a laboratory, they study it, study it, study it before they release it to the public because they are viewing it unsafe and, until they prove it's safe. Um, so we kind of do it backwards. So it's important for people in the U.S., I think, uh, to know and understand that, that if there's these these products that you're using that have words that you don't really, you can't read very easily, you have to like really look at it to read it. You know, it's probably like Dr. Mayer said, to, to be better be safe than sorry, because we, ju- we don't know. Like there's a lot of stuff we don't know about that uh, because the, you know, these organizations are studying it. So it's going to take time. We all know that research takes some time. So um, if you can minimize your exposure to it, yeah, of course, at some points you're going to... Um, you know, be exposed to it or use it, or you're at a, you know, an event or a restaurant or whatever, and they have foamy soap. Okay. It's one time, but should we be using the foamy soap at home? Maybe not, you know? Um, so I think that that's important. It's an, just an important kind of concept for people to understand. All right. So the smart technique, um, what do you guys, uh, fill it with afterwards typically? Yeah. So, um, so again, uh, we have uh, done the legwork to try to find materials that are as biocompatible, that are as uh, least harsh on the on the bioterrain as possible. Um, when it comes to the the material we use for like a filling um, or a bonding or composite, whatever you might have heard it as, um, we use um, through a company called Voco. We use a ceramic based composite. So a lot of the composites that exist. Um, 
basically what a composite is, is you have a, a picture of a little sphere um, that's surrounded in kind of like a liquid kind of matrix and a bunch of these little spheres. And traditional composites have these spheres made of plastic um, and they're surrounded in this kind of matrix that uh, we that polymerizes and gets hard and turns into your filling. Um, those plastics are just like any other plastic, right? Uh, they have a, a, a number of, of chemicals and things that have gone into it that we don't know. Uh, obviously, BPA, things like that we know of, but there could be other things we we haven't discovered yet, but that exist. So we opted for uh, this Admira Fusion, which is a ceramic-based particle. So it's basically ceramic, it's glass. Um, and uh, it, it is surrounded in that matrix. So um, Again, you know, we do something called biocompatibility testing in our office where a patient can have a blood test um, and basically have every dental product on the market ran against their blood to see if there's wow. some sort of reaction to it. Yeah. And we found that very, very few patients have any sort of issue with this specific type wow, of composite. Cool. Yeah. So um, so that's really interesting. And then, yeah, if we if we move into something a little bit bigger than a composite, um, you know, we do a lot of, we don't do a lot of full crowns, we do a lot of partial crowns. We try to uh, we try to minimize and maintain as much tooth structure as possible, but any sort of uh, cer ceramic that we use, it's non-metal. Um, and again, um, it not it's not for every patient, but the biocompatibility testing is really interesting because I have had patients that are not suitable for even a ceramic, you know, and then we have to get really, you know, uh, we have to really kind of dig deep to figure out what is compatible for their body specifically. So, you know, you think about the folks that don't have that type of testing and, uh, I'm saying, I'm not saying that it's, it's very widespread people who have these, uh, these incompatibilities, but, um, yeah, you might be, your body might not like something that you're putting into it every day and you just don't know it yet, yeah, you know? For sure. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah. so that's what we, so that's what we use. Um, and again, uh, our techniques, you know, we, we're always trying to, um, even the way that we place fillings and, and restore teeth, we try to do it in a way that mimics what was there. Uh, we call it biomimetics, but just kind of restoring to what nature had kind of initially had there. And there's so many, uh, you know, I think a lot of times a filling, you know, you just kind of go in there, they plop it in there, carry it, and you're out the door. Uh, you know, we, we, we take a lot more time because um, it is very technique sensitive and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different things. You'd be su surprised, this tiny little thing in your mouth, you know, it's like, how it can just you know changing it or altering its structure how that affects and we can talk about that a little bit later but it's even from like a a, a muscular and a neuromuscular kind of standpoint it can affect you you know yeah so, so interesting anyways but yeah yeah it's so interesting that even though you guys are using something that is has been shown to be more um biocompatible that you're still kind of checking in on it and making sure that it's okay with the person's body because i feel like most conventional dentists would put the mercury filling in and someone may come back and say, Oh, I'm having an issue with this. And they're like, I oh, know that's not the filling. That's something else. Right. They would just kind of brush it off. Like, <laughs> like right. no, no, it can't be the filling. I did a great job. Like it can't be that, you know, not, not respecting the fact that that person's body may be less tolerant to something like, like amount that mercury from the amalgams. Yeah. So that is, uh, that's cool that you guys do that as well. Um, so I know let's actually segue into that because you talked about how it can do some things neuromuscularly. So uh, we in the, the physical therapy space, uh, we deal with a good amount of TMJ. We kind of go through waves where we'll get like a huge influx of people all at once. I don't know. We should pay attention to like time of year that we get that. Like, I don't know what it is. Is it, is it the holidays? We're not um, in it right now. Yeah, like, no, we're not in it right yeah. now, but we do get this yeah. influx where it's like, oh yeah, um, yeah. TMJ, but we... Um, one of our employees at, who works at the front desk, she, she gets it from time to time. Um, so she was 
they're like she saw on the schedule that you were coming this week she was like oh my gosh she's like i should ask him about this because you know we we will like dry needle her jaw every once in a while which she loves it feels great for her but like she woke up the other day and she, I, I think a lot of it this week was she was one of the, someone else was out so she was covering so she worked like 60 hours yeah. or whatever She's you know stressed. yeah so she was like just stressed <laughs> this week so i think that was yeah. a big piece of it but um yeah. So how do you guys go about that? Like the whole like TMJ thing when someone comes in with those types of things? Yeah. Um, so this is an area that I really just, uh, I have really just kind of taken a deep dive into and I really, um, it's just so fascinating. Um, that, I mean, the whole head and the neck and you guys can speak to this probably more than I can, but, um, you know, there are so many different components that go into this chewing system into our head, to our neck, to our muscles, to our skeleton, to the ligaments, every part of it. Um, and so when it comes to the TMJ, it's a very, you know, you've heard so many things about it. People come in and they say, I have TMJ. And I say, well, we all have TMJ. We, they're called temporomandibular <laughs> joints. <laughs> you might be saying you have TMD, which is temporomandibular <laughs> disorder. Um, but, you know, everybody, it, it's incredible the amount of, of tension that you hold in in those jaw muscles and your masters and your temporalis, your sternocleidomastoid. Um, uh, it, it's it, I think it's it's that's maybe an evolutionary thing that that um, we have developed um, over time is that when the, when there is that kind of stressful period in, in, in our lives or that fight or flight moment, um, for whatever reason, those muscles just activate a lot, and and then you have this 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 bone under there, this mandible, um, that is, it's a double jointed bone. I mean, there's, it's one solid bone that has two joints on it. And, um, and I'm sure you guys know our bodies are not symmetrical, you know, um, it, everything is different from the right to the left. And so then you have this one bone that has a right side and a left side and you expect it to, so to yeah. kind of function yeah. symmetrically when it doesn't. And then, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. it's on the base of your skull and, and, you know, you have these lig, you know, lots of ligaments that are tied to these really intricate muscles, um, and so it's really, really complex from from a musculoskeletal perspective. And then you bring in like a physiological component, um, you bring in like the the environmental component, um, and then it just gets even more and more complicated, complex. So um, when it comes to these patients, um, you know we try to take like a functional standpoint where you, you, you look at one area and you try to stabilize or assess it and address it and then see how that affects the outcomes. And then if, and then you kind of move in, in to the next system after that. And so when I talk about the, the, the chewing system, um, I look at it from, uh, from a kind of, uh, a, I call it from a standpoint of balance between the joints essentially. So, you know, um, if patients come in and they have, you know, they're complaining of symptoms, whether it's pain in the joint or radiating pain up their head with migraines or even tooth pain, gum recession. These are all a lot of, a lot of times manifestations of, of issues that come from the, from the joint. We try to stabilize and balance it. And so, um, using things like an orthotic that can, that can help to kind of level off the joints and where they sit inside of the joint. That's one thing that we do. And in doing that, um, I often have to call on my physical therapist or yeah, my yeah, chiropractors yeah. because um, sometimes to get those muscles to kind of break down that it's been years and years. Yeah, and just, yeah. You know, that's the, my, my splint can't just do that. But 
you know, so I'll address it from that that, that standpoint, from that kind of skeletal muscular musculoskeletal standpoint, and then from there, I talk about like a nutritional standpoint. Um, there's, you know, I know that uh, magnesium is a big uh, is is a big mineral that we you know we are quite deficient in, and is involved in um, the health of our muscles, and so and in the contraction and the release of them as well. And so folks are are super deficient. I'll sometimes recommend um, certain supplements to start taking, and then. And then if we go beyond that, we look at obviously lifestyle. So, you For know, sure. yeah. lifestyle plays a big part in this. And that's Absolutely. probably the hardest one to control because, you know, how do you tell somebody like, could just stop stressing out? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but that's another area. And then the, the fourth area, which I think is for me really, really coming to the surface here is, is airway and how our airway drives um, a lot of function of, of the of our mouths and our jaws um, and our head and neck. But yeah, again, it's it's. Um, it's interesting to see how things manifest way beyond the joint, how they, they translate down the neck to the, to the shoulders. Um, you know, I see, you know, we'll photograph people before and after, um, even just putting them in like a, a stabilizing splint. And I'm sure you guys see this all the time is you see like just different leveling of the shoulders or you see kind of neck, head tilts and things like that. Um, and it's just all about imbalances that exist there. And so, uh, trying to just to provide that leveling effect there is, is one, I think, important component yeah. to it. Yeah. That's one of the main reasons that I, like I said at the beginning, I think everyone should have a biologic dentist in their network. And part of that is because they're, they're not only trained, but they're just aware and they're paying attention to the airway. Whereas I think a lot of conventional dentistry, they may go through it in schooling and things like that, but they're kind of viewed as separate entities like, oh yeah, go see the ENT for that or, you know, the pulmonologist or whatever. Um, but there is that, that such that, you know, intimate connection between the two because, you know, of the, not only are they adjacent, but the, the, um, you know, the, the mouth is there as a backup kind of support system for your nasal cavity and all that kind of stuff. And the nasal cavity is the roof, the mouth and so on. So I think that that is one thing where you're getting a different, um, kind of viewpoint as to your particular airway because so many people out there we see it all the time people are dealing with airway issues and they're not really aware of it because they go to the pulmonologist and they test okay on their you know their their typical tests there so oh yeah your respiratory capacity is fine your airway is fine well maybe not you know maybe that's i'm just you know compensating with my mouth instead of my nose or something like that so i think that's super important um for sure. And then, you know, the, the whole thing about magnesium, it's so true. I mean, magnesium, when we are stressed, like your body uses up your stores of magnesium and B vitamins primarily like first, right? Other things too, but those things that we just blow through in a state of stress. So not only is our food less, less dense with magnesium, but we're just blowing through it in our modern world all the time. So those are two, two things that from like, when I talk to people about supplements, they're like, oh, what should I take? What's the best thing? It's like, usually my first is like, well, are you getting enough protein in your diet? If not, a high quality protein powder um, is usually first recommendation just because, you know, I, I know they, they probably need more protein in their lives, but usually next is going to be magnesium and then um, some some good high quality, you know, be, be complex usually just because people are probably deficient in those things and just blowing through it with some stress without a doubt. So I love the fact that you brought that up for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It really is. Yeah. And, and if I, it, the, the airway component, I always tell 
tell folks, and, and this is something you probably see as, as physical therapists is, I mean, you're watching that person while they're doing whatever treatment they're doing. Just look at how they're breathing. Are there, is their mouth open? Yeah, yeah. Is there constriction in their nostrils? Yeah. Shoulders coming, um, up, shoulders coming up. up. I mean, there's so many things that there's so many ways to intervene. And I think that's our, that's everybody's role, but especially, you know, if you're working in that space there, it's like, they're easy observations to make. And once you make them, like I said, a lot earlier, you start to see patterns and things. And it is just, um, it is, I mean, so telltale. It's just, you, you see it and it obviously it'll correlate to something else down the road, you know, and patients will sometimes be surprised. Like I'll say, oh, your, your palate is really vaulted. Um, do you have uh, trouble breathing through your nose? Go, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, do you yeah. breathe through your mouth? Oh yeah. Yeah. Is your yeah. tongue tied? Oh yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. you can just start, you can just predict everything from there. After yeah, that, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. yeah, the 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 breathing thing is something that in the past couple of years I've gotten more aware of. I kind of assess everybody, no matter what we're dealing with. I, I just assess the breathing, you know, hands on the rib cage, see how the rib cage is moving. Is it expanding, you know, 360 degrees, all that good stuff. Yeah, and then just check, okay, how's tongue posture, mouth breathing, nasal breathing. Because, you know, for a lot of people, some of it's just awareness. Like some people can just, you know, and, and it's awareness over time. Like that's something that I noticed a couple of years ago. I was like, oh my gosh, because I watched a... um. Um, a presentation from a myofunctional therapist, I think this was like three, four years ago now. And I was like, all the things she was listing, like the, the precursors to like sleep apnea, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it all right now. So I was like, all I did was just create an awareness practice around it. And I've made so many changes with my breathing. I used to be, you know, I had asthma through throughout like middle school, high school, all that kind of stuff. Can't remember the last time I took, took my inhaler. Like I used to have to take it decently regularly. Um, you know, I used to get pretty significant allergies, maybe not 365, but close to it. And like every once in a while they'll, they'll come around. But then I just usually, my first step is instead of going to the allergy medicine, I say, okay, let me just make sure I'm breathing through my nose so I can clear that out, you know, and clear, clear out the, uh, the, the pathway there. So I'm not just, um, you know, breathing through the mouth because that myofunctional therapist that I was referring to, I forget her name, but she basically said the best thing you can do when your nose is stuffy is just force nasal breathing. And I was like, wow, that's so counterintuitive, but it's, it just, it kind of makes a lot of sense, you know? So that's why we've seen this boom of mouth taping all over the internet and that kind of stuff, <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. but it is, it is so important, um, that, that, and it's something that a lot of times, you know, there are certain instances where we need medical intervention, some severe sleep apnea and things like that. But a lot of people can just create an awareness practice around this daily and make some significant strides. And I think that that is so helpful because that is easy. That's free. Anybody can do it. It's just while you're driving, like do it, pair it with other things that you're doing. It's like, am I breathing through my nose? All right, cool. Let me focus on that for five minutes and then carry on with my day. The yeah. downstream effects of it are incredible. I am just blown away. Like, you know, folks dealing with obesity, with, with blood pressure issues. I mean, something as simple as just breathing properly can have an impact on that. And, and then, you know, we can talk about with, with kids, you know, that's, ugh, I mean, huge. I mean, Nick and I, you know, we've talked yeah we've, um, we've been going back and forth a little bit yeah. we're we're definitely um we're gonna get him in with you my my little guy our little guy theo um you know we've we've had some just like concerns about a minor tongue tie that you know and it's something that it, while he's in, in a baby it's like it's better if it is significant to to get it handled then because babies respond like that like baby it's crazy versus if you wait later in life it, it, it takes a little bit more um attention to detail for sure but you know, we're, we're, um, we're waiting, you know, a couple more months for sure just to see. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, it's pretty yeah. interesting how your body can, your body. Oh, for sure. 
your body is formed and 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 grows and according to something is just as, as simple as how yeah. you're breathing you know you're yeah. just like wow um, yeah and then environment comes into play too because if you have a child at home and you know maybe you have mold in the house or you have um some kind of something in the house the house is stuffy maybe it hasn't been cleaned it's super dusty a, you know a baby is just gonna breathe however they gotta breathe right body's gonna take path of least resistance so if you notice that they're you know mouth breathing more your child is mouth breathing more you know, maybe we need to address the home too. You know, we, we need to address their, their room, the, the, the immediate environment, because there could be something there that's, that's triggering that. Maybe it's not something internal, you know, so we have to look at it as a whole picture. And it sounds like, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to do so much. It's like, it's the world we live in now. Yeah. You know, it's, it really is. It's the world we created. Um, and so, it doesn't have to happen fast. Yeah, either. for sure. You know, you yeah. take little steps Absolutely. here yeah. and there. Baby steps. Absolutely. And, uh, just like with everything. And, for and, sure. But yeah, there, it is, it, it can be overwhelming at times, but yeah. um, there's little things that you can just start to put into practice that, <clears throat> that are, are manageable and make a big difference. Yeah. 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 Um, I know Chad wants to get into a little bit of the insurance. Dude, stuff, it's but... been like, um, it's been about 50 minutes. I'm just okay. taking it all in right now. We can... But. I, I, I am going to chime in only because, Ooh, in. yeah, I, I want to chime in on a few things. There were a couple of things. And, and the main thing that I'm noticing um, is obviously your approach to dentistry that is probably different from the conventional type of dentistry, kind of like what we are in the physical therapy world, right? I guess my big question for you is, are you an anomaly? Like, is that just, are, is it frowned upon, right? Or um, is this like a shift in dentistry now where a lot of people are now kind of taking this whole health approach where, like you were just saying, just just noticing something as simple as breathing is something that I should be kind of noticing in my patients kind of going forward where it's like, you know, a patient comes in and says they got soft teeth. Is that like a patient that comes in and says, hey, I have arthritis? It's like, yeah, no <laughs> shit. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't know the world so well, but is, is it, yeah, how's, how's it going in that direction? You know, the funny thing is, I think things like this, like podcasts, social media, uh, there's more connection that has come of this and more people are talking about it. Uh, and that's, I think, bringing more awareness to more providers. I think we're still incredibly deficient as far as understanding and, and, and having the ability. Um, this is a big part of it, having an ability to actually practice that way. Um, we designed our practice in a way that we can that we are allowed to take the time to address these things and in medicine as you guys know time is everything and and if you don't create an environment or a business that can foster your ability to take the time then you're not gonna be able to talk about these things or address these things um, and so i think that is a huge component to this is that i think providers know about these things to a certain extent maybe not super in depth as much as i'd like them to know but they don't have the ability within their practice models to talk about these things with their patients unfortunately and that's that's the tough part there so um i think you know i think education awareness is a big part of it but um you know having being able to to take that time and to understand and to work through it with a patient is i found to be uh, incredibly even with even with the amount of time that we've created, I still find I, I still want more time and more resources and more diagnostics um, to to kind of figure these things out. So, um, but yeah, I would love, I think things like airway are coming to the surface, like I said, um, across the, you know, the broader um, profession. Um, I think, I think we still are very lacking in understanding nutrition, understanding, um, like, again, a musculoskeletal imbalances and how that plays in, you know, folks, gosh, man, it's so frustrating when I see 
somebody like in just like a, a night guard, you know, and I and just somebody that's kind of molded and threw it in their mouth and whatnot. And you just like you, you, you look at it and you say, you know, their mouth is open. They can't close their lips. They're not breathing yeah. right with it. Their jaws are all out of whack. They're like chewing this thing up. And you're just like, you know. I never want to put somebody at a worse place, right? That's not, that's yeah, not what we yeah. want to do. But um, so, yeah, there's. I'm hoping that there's some more kind of uh, light shed on that, and um, and then obviously just the toxins that that exist in yeah. in our industry and and uncovering that. That's I think going to be a, a bigger battle for us just because of you know the pushback that comes from. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know in the conversation that we had prior to this podcast, it's. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about it in a second, but. I mean, just the fact that you were saying, you know, somebody comes up in the night guard and you're just like, what are you doing that for? You know, that, I feel like yeah. that's when there's so many similarities between our professions where I feel when somebody walks into the door and they've got these huge ass hocus on and they've got these huge ass orthotics <laughs> in the inside. O- the yeah. hocus, it's like, what yeah. are you doing? What's it's, happening? it's almost exactly like you just Constance. said. It's like you are just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just throwing everything off, you know? Yeah. Um, it just makes no sense to us, but it makes sense to everybody else, which is weird, you know? It's like, yeah. are we the weird ones? I don't really yeah. know, yeah. you know? So, I mean, we know, you know, just through our education and, and our experience that that's not the right thing to do, right? But why isn't it like that? Why doesn't everybody understand that? I don't know. Right. It's It's weird, right? I think because well, it's, it's difficult. I think it's because it's yeah. challenging to yeah. not understand to, it. To no, to I think you know they talked about uh, the levels of learning, and there's like a there's a, a, a unconscious like un, no understanding where you just don't have any clue, right? Sure. And then there's those folks that they know what's going on, but they don't know how to kind of implement sure. that. Yeah. Sure, 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 yeah. sure. And then there's the people who know about it and they willfully kind of uh, choose to like uh, ignore it, and then there's the people that know and they choose to act on it, and so. Yeah, I think there's just uh, there's a lot of folks that maybe I don't know. I, I think they know better, or they just don't uh, take the time to dive deeper. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I think Chad hates when I do this. But I get I tend benefit to give people the benefit of the doubt. He does it every time. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to give people benefit of the doubt. But nonetheless, I think there's a lot of and this this I in my opinion um, applies to a lot um, the certain professions, medical doctors, things like that, because they just don't want like there was a, a, a report that said. Uh, um, Medical doctors have on average three to five minutes with a patient, face-to-face time with a patient. That's insane. That's like insane. imagine trying to do what you, what we've, oh. things that we've talked about in three to five minutes. Obviously like a procedure wouldn't be three to five minutes, but in terms of the educational piece, I would, my, I would lose, I would fail so hard because <laughs> I was doing, I told a patient this the other day and I was like, I've been talking to you for, and I looked at the clock. I was like, it's been nine minutes. And I was like, and I haven't even gotten to my point yet. Like I haven't even gotten to the climax and it was nine minutes in. And, and so I think that um, yes, there are a lot of doctors who aren't furthering their education and learning more. And so that is a problem for sure. But I think there are also some who, who are in one of those realms where they know it, but because they only have three to five minutes in the system, they don't know how to implement it. And then to your point, Chad, where you would say, well, they need to get out of it. Yes. I think they're also afraid to then to, to take that leap and, and, and do what we've done you know, and, and, um, move away from insurance and the, the conventional model, because that's the only way, right? Cause if you only have three to five minutes, uh, good luck, right? Like I have to give you something that will make you feel good upon leaving. Cause otherwise I'm just going to talk to you and you're still going to be in that state. One of the States you just mentioned where you have, you still have no idea. You have still zero clue. Yeah. And you don't know what to do. Right. So if I give you a medication or, Hey, I'm going to give you this orthotic, put it in whatever shoe you got, you know, and, and, you know, I heard some things about these shoes. So go get these shoes. And put this in, and it's probably going to feel good today, tomorrow, next week. But then at some point, yeah, then your hip's going to hurt, your back's going to hurt, right? It's going to throw it off. So in the short term, 
yeah, I can give you something, but then long-term, I, I don't know. Cause then also I see you three to five minutes today and then, man, I'm booked up. I can't get you in for another, you know, 12 weeks. So it's like, it's, 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 I think there's a lot of that going on too, but I do agree that you, you would tell me, stop giving people the benefit of doubt. I get it. There are a lot of people who are just so caught up in it. And you mentioned this at the beginning, they're rooted in their old ways. They're rooted in what they were educated, you know, based on stuff from decades ago and that is a problem people need to to expand their knowledge a little bit yeah and i think that i mean i think you nailed it uh i think time is one of the major reasons why you know patients don't get the outcomes they get because we just can't give them the time in a conventional practice whether it's you know insurance or whatever um i mean i know that that limits us with what we can and can't do and i know that's been a huge change with our practice yeah i i know that you like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I get it. Um, I've just seen it for so long that it just, I'm just done. Yeah, you're, you're, you know over what I mean? you're over I'm over yeah, I get it. If you've been doing it for 15 years, then maybe we'll have this conversation again <laughs> and we'll see if you still feel the same way. Hey, I've, um, I've come around a you lot have, more actually. So I've, I've gotten to the point where I've now <laughs> with patients and clients, I, I've, I used to not be like, oh, you know, like so-and-so is just trying to be, you know, they're trying to do this or that. And I'm like, just stop seeing that person, you know, because <laughs> it's, it's only yeah. hurting you. Like right. it, you've just so, gotten to that point. Yeah. And, yeah, I get that insurance is covering most of it. You only have a twenty dollars copay, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, but save you twenty bucks, you know, because just don't don't go back because clearly whatever they're doing isn't working, you know, and that'll free up their time to go to to see someone else, you know. But we're getting to a point now where, because of the internet, because of like the the podcasts and the videos that are out, people are 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 learning so much. So now people are going to their doctor and they know sometimes a little bit more about a specific topic, and now doctors are getting defensive. And, and not just doctors, that providers are just getting defensive. And I tell, now I'm t- I've gotten in the habit of telling people like, that's a red flag. If your provider is getting defensive and not open to having a discussion with you or like, I don't know enough about that. Let me go, let me read up on that for our next session. Um, then I, I think that that is a problem. You know, if someone is, is if their, you know, first reaction is, um, you know, they come off as defensive or they're, they're um, kind of, you know, bashing what you're bringing up. It's like, uh, you know, maybe that, that provider's not for you because we're in this with this kind of like transition phase where, where pe- the, the general public are, are becoming, you know, much more knowledgeable about this stuff. Yeah. You know, for I, sure. It is so, that is so frustrating when a patient comes in and they're sitting in the chair there and they go, oh, I'm so sorry. I have one more question. I said, why are you sorry? <laughs> I'm yeah. like, this is what we're here yeah. to talk about, you sure. know? Exactly. And and they'll talk about those providers they've gone to. They get like <clears throat> chastised and they get uh, belittled. Yeah. And, you know, I just, that just boggles my mind because I want, I want to be the best provider that I can be. And I want to learn as much as I possibly can. For sure. Um, and maybe I can't do it all. But like, if, if you're not trying to move into that next space, then you got to really question I think you really have to question what your role is in, the, in your profession, you know, because for sure we have, I think we have a duty to, to consistently be raising the bar, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. And I, and I, and you know, I, I, I think it's a shame that there are a lot of great providers out there. Like I know a lot of great physical therapists out there that are just subject to the insurance world and they can't be as good as they want to be because they have these limitations, you know? And I think podcasts and, and conversations like this, are not only bringing awareness to patients, but also to the other providers saying, hey, listen, you have a choice, man. Like, you know what I mean? So I do it because I want what's best for the people and yeah. what's best for the providers, not because I want to be a dick, you know? I mean, if you take it that way, that's fine. Like, maybe that's your motivation. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, it's just a shame. I just see it so often. It's like, but yeah. I can't. It's like, but you can though, you yeah. know? 
and so I, I think that it's great that it's going into other professions like yeah. dentistry. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's great. It's very possible. It's, it's really, really cool. Possible. So, yeah. And you, and you have made the switch away from insurance just recently. And, you know, how, how's that been going? It, we had to. You know, we yeah. had to. We, we started our practice seven years ago from scratch. Um, the ground up. And so, you know, when you're in those early phases, it's understandable that, you know, you have to pay the bills, keep the lights totally. on. And there are certain things that you have to do as far as taking insurances to make that happen. But as we knew, our whole intention from the start was that we wanted to get to this point. It was just a matter of when. And, um, and so, again, it's as we've gone through this process, little by little, we've kind of dropped insurances along the way. Um, I have the ability to take the time and, and during a treatment, I mean, we, it's just, our practice model is so, is so different from a lot of other practices. And I have colleagues who come in there, they'll look at our schedules and things like that and just be shocked and say, well, how are you, how are you surviving like this? And I say, (laughs) well, look at the write-offs that you take. Have you ever looked at that? Like, look at your annual write-offs and your jaw will drop. It is just, it's, it's so hard to fat. It's just, it's, it's like what you're not getting paid from insurance. insurance. That's right. Uh, It's, it's, uh, it's almost like a a crime. It is a crime. You know, it's just (laughs) not, it's not a, it is maybe not a crime to us, but it's a crime to the, the subscriber, the patient, the person that's paying for that policy, the businesses that are paying for those policies, because they're doing a disservice to themselves or to their employees or whoever by, you know, providing this insurance that is, you know, uh, handcuffing so many providers and, um, and again, not allowing us the time to really address things for, for the patient and helping to get them to a better place. So it's been, for us, it's been, it's been very, um, we're going through that last phase of it right now and every step of the way it's, I think it's almost impossible to avoid, um, the sense of, of, of worrying and fear like, oh gosh, what's going to happen when we do this? You know, I think it's just, for me, it's something that I I try to work on, but I can't avoid. But every time we've gone through each of these phases and everybody I talk to, like you, Chad, they all say, you're going to get through it. And you know what? You do. I mean, we looked at our collections and for the first time I, I was working at a pace that I felt comfortable that I could take the time. And I was, and we were meeting the, the levels we actually could actually put some of our funds away into a savings fund, which we would never been able to do. We were always cutting it close every month, you know? And so it's, it's been, uh, it's been a good move so far and I anticipate it to to continue that way. Yeah, it will. Um, everything takes time. It takes time. So I don't expect it to happen overnight. And we talked kind of about the 12 to 16 month range and whatnot, but you know, I'm in it for the long run. I'm not going anywhere. So it's like, you know, there's going to be some, it's going to kind of, you know, be some highs yeah, and lows and whatnot, close. but yeah, yeah, I think it consistently will just improve. I think that was the one big thing too. Like when we, when we first made that switch, people were getting, they were almost taking it personal as to how much we were charging and it's not personal yeah. on the patient at all. And they, it's almost like it makes us look greedy and it almost makes us look like we're trying to make more money. I make way less money now. I could show you the spreadsheet. It would make you vomit. Um, if I wanted to make more money, I would continue to take insurance and just have a bunch of providers like everybody right, else. Right, exactly. And then fish two to three patients every single hour because that's go. what people do, yeah. right? But that's not our that's not our model. We can't get the best outcomes that way for our patients. So yeah, we have to be able to charge more to, like you said, you know, keep the lights on, be able to pay our employees, but not only pay our employees give our employees benefits, right? Right. Like that's part of the deal, right? Right. It's like, we want our employees to be healthy as well as our patients. So it's, 
don't know. It's it's, it's just, yeah. It's I have these conversations with patients all hard. the time, and, yeah. I, and it's like this is the economics of it. This is the reality of it. I'm not out there driving like a Porsche. Or like a, you know, it's like I, I live a comfortable life. I'm very happy, but like totally. I'm not in this to to get rich. You That's know? right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and for sure. um and yeah, some patients think it's greedy, but I'm totally. like, you know, look across industry. You'll be surprised. It's because you're used to getting that insurance statement and seeing. If you look at your insurance, your 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 um the explanation of benefits that come in after you have treatment. I don't know if they do that for physical therapy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, look at the breakdown with insurance and just yep. kind of see, tell your patients to read it really carefully yep. and understand what is our, our fee that we charge, what we're only allowed, what our, you know, allowed fee is a That's charge right. and, and do the math. I mean, it's just, it's incredible how much we have to take a hit on. Yep. Yeah. People, people have to understand that the insurance company, like people are like, yeah, but I have insurance. Yeah, but the insurance company doesn't care about you. They right. care about money. That's yeah. right. Like they're trying to maximize their profit margins. They don't really, you know, care about you and your health. If they did, they would be, you know, <laughs> providing the, the services that will prevent something catastrophic from happening down the road. They just want more money today. Right. right? Yeah. So, and in the long run, it's, it's usually going to cost them a little bit more money down the road, right? Like we have crazy rates of, of um you know health issues later on in life now because of the the lifestyle and culture we've created you know that's a topic for another day but yeah the insurance company does not uh they don't care about you no. just just flat out like it's <laughs> it, people think they do it's they don't yeah i would even argue that it's cheaper to not go through insurance and i've seen that myself as well as with our patients i mean my brother, for example, got labs done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Labs done. Got charged $400 for a panel, like like a metabolic panel. Like it was the most ridiculous thing i ever seen, right? Yeah, like the and basic stuff. The basic stuff. Not, even, not like, even the stuff that you're going to get like good nope. information from. Like he was he was being diagnosed with, you know, or they were suspecting thyroid issues and they they, they only tested TSH. And it's like, <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. You need the other stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, like. We had him run another panel, and it cost him almost yeah, two hundred dollars less yeah. to not go through insurance. Just a self pay, yeah, just a yeah. self pay, right? I mean, that's. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's like that in your profession, but how many patients do we have that comes in that we're seeing a PT for two to three times, if not more times a week, right? Made no gains. Now they're coming to us four months later. They've wasted all that time and all that money, and now they got to pay us on top of that, right? Where they could have just seen us once a week, been way further along, and probably either made out. Or broke even in terms of how much they paid. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it is. it's wild. Like how many? How many? Yeah. How many? Oh, I see it all the time. Yeah, you, you got to fix when, stuff all the time. You t- yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, we could we could do this. That's cheaper, um, but it's not going to last. And sure enough, they're like, well, I've had it like fixed. Gosh, I have patients come. Oh, I fix it like every two years. I'm like, well, how much does that cost you? You, just, you don't want to do this one other alternative that costs a little more up front, but it's going to last you a lot longer. I don't know. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. But yeah, it's a it's a good move. I I like it. I like that uh, the profession is going in that direction. Yeah, for sure. No, I think it's good. It's 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 where it needs to go. It really yeah. is. I think for medicine and and healthcare, I think it's there needs to be some sort of revolution. Honestly, um, if we're if we're ever going to expect outcomes to change or folks for to sure. get better, so I don't know. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think you made a great point too. Like you know, where 
going through dentistry school, it's like, hey, we don't look at anything above the eyes or anything below the neck, right? Like for us, it's when we treat a shoulder, we treat a shoulder, you know, yeah, when we no, treat a knee, right. we treat a knee, yeah. right? It's, it's not what else is involved with that, you know? And like, how many people do we have come in that it's like, yeah, we're, you're coming in for knee pain, but we're talking about sleep. We're talking yeah. about nutrition. We're yeah. talking about recovery, like all these other things that kind of play into yeah. your rehab process yeah. instead of just your pain. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, so I think that's the direction that everything kind of needs to go. Kind of like what you were saying. And, you know, I, th I think that's just like that whole health approach. And I feel like if you're not taking that, you're missing some serious, like some serious gains for, for your patients for sure. I think we need a round two. I like at some point too. Because <laughs> there's, there's definitely yeah, we could we could talk. I think it's really interesting. More. I mean, we haven't had a dentist on the podcast. No, I and, like, and I think it, it like I've been excited for this one for weeks because I know. Like I said, it's been it's been uh, personal for me. It's been um, super important to me. But um, I think it's it's just really important for our patients and clients because I know I have some that would benefit from seeing someone like yourself, Doctor Marin, and and um it's it really is important I'm, I'm still working on it. i'm trying to be like oh boston i'm like it's really not that bad i'm like yeah it's, it's really not. and actually you guys I, have even, that that uh little kind of access road right in front like the parking you can not, usually get a spot it, the parking you know it's 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 a it's kind of a little like you know it's nice i'm trying to figure out how there. to clone myself so that i <laughs> can have multiple locations yeah. it's yeah. coming man. me too <laughs> you figure it out let me know you'll probably be able to in like three years yeah, really. i mean it's, it's coming it's it's coming. that is true yeah. yeah. Um, all right. One question we usually ask um, pretty much everybody at the end. So for all the listeners, what's one piece of health advice that um, that you would give them that you, they could implement right away today? Lips closed, breathe through your nose. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Simple, easy, but can yeah. make a world of a difference, especially for young ones. Yes. So I love true. it. So true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, th thank you for coming up. Um, uh, I, I was uh, emailing back and forth with Dr. Marin trying to uh, schedule this. He was like, yeah, like, he's like, so you, you do it virtually? I was like, oh, no, no, no. You got to come in the rack, man. Like, you got to come <laughs> here. So, is, so, yeah, we, yeah, we, to, we love the in-person yeah. stuff. Let me tell you, coming into your space, I yeah. mean, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful space, um, and this is really fun to be in the rack. I appreciate now, that. I get that. Appreciate um, that. But yeah. it's also great to have you guys kind of talking totally. about this and getting, getting yeah. this message out. For and sure. whoever's listening to this, it's I think it's important to continue to spread this message. Yeah, awesome. So. And if anybody's interested in uh, checking yeah. out your practice or yes. you, like how can they find you? So our practice name is Harmony. Um, it's Our website is harmonyboston.com. Um, and then uh, you can also find us on social media, on Instagram, uh, at Harmony Boston. And I also have my page um, at Dr. Mayer, D-R-M-A-Y-R. So cool. uh, feel free to, to reach out to us. And Sounds awesome. Questions. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yes, today, thanks Dr. for having Mayer. me, guys. Yeah. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at ProformPTMA.com or on social media at ProformPTMA. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.